Hello and welcome. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And this is the Wikipedia Chronicles. This is a podcast where we start with a random article, explore it, then follow the links, and see where it takes us. John, what do you have? Um, Gimina Lomadzi, but the L has a little slash through it. Not sure what that means, but uh, Gimina Lomadzi is a rural Gimina. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an administrative district oh. in Biala Podlaska County under the Lublin Vol- Volvodeship in eastern Poland. Oh. Its seat is the village of Lomazy, which lies approximately 10 miles south of Biala Podlaska. And 52 miles northeast of the regional capital of Lublin. Not to be confused with Dublin. <laughs> this one is Lublin. Lublin. They're Lublin it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I have, a, uh, I have a district and a town and a place that's close to the regional seat of a small part of Poland. Um <laughs> Has a population though. Has five thousand yeah. people that live there. That's always a plus. I mean, the whole article I just read to you, for the most <laughs> part. But uh, that's that's what, that's what I have. Uh, do you have anything a little, little, little more interesting over there? <laughs> well. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Leonis de Santo Domingo. That he last part sounds familiar. Is a professional basketball team. Oh, wait. That's he, not a he. Wait, hold on, hold on. He. That is, is a, not a he. Okay. I thought it was a he. I was hoping, but I was hoping that would have been so much more interesting. This, he is a professional basketball team. In entity is a professional basketball team based in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic, and the team currently plays in Dominican top division Liga Nacional de. Balancesto. And uh, let's see, they played in a championship called Liga Nacional de Balcanesto that I just mentioned. That is the only championship. Um, that is also the name of the league they are in. And they were founded in 2005. And they play in the Centro Olimpico Juan Pablo Duarte Arena. Hmm. Capacity of 4,500 people. And their team colors are red and white. President is Eduardo Nahiri. And that is all of the article. Okay. <laughs> so we've got two real um, compelling choices. We can learn about Poland. Or you can learn about another foreign basketball league. Yep. I see what you mean about this uh, 
you said earlier, but I think probably before we started recording, that you were noticing a new trend. Yep. The new trend <laughs> is foreign basketball. Foreign sports in general, but yes. Specifically Bas- foreign. We've done foreign basketball a number of times now. Yeah. It's a weird thing. I know it's bigger than we thought, but this is a little, little unusual. It does know that it's superimposing this interest upon us, that we <laughs> do not, in fact, have this interest. It just thinks we have this interest because it keeps giving us... It started out giving mm-hmm. us this, and we clicked on the thing. Yep. It's so weird to me that Wikipedia is configured this way, since there's no <laughs> real ads anywhere on it. There's no point in it being driven to a Maybe certain point. Maybe this is the ad system. This is as close <laughs> as they ever get. Like. <laughs> People pay to have their articles higher percentage chance than the random article. (laughs) (laughs) But I think your article sounds a little more promising. Alright. Alright. So, what is this thing again? It's Gamina Lomazi. G M I N A. And Lomazi. Is spelled Interesting enough, it is not the first it is not even on the list of suggested Gaminas? articles in Gamina. <laughs> yeah, it's not a it's very good Gamina. Gamina L O M A Z. It's not even the first it's not even on the list of L's. I'll say <laughs> there's a lot of Gaminas. There are quite a few. Okay, so Lo Mazy. A-Z-Y? Yeah. Okay. I don't know what a Gamina is, but there's a lot of Gaminas. A lot of Gaminas in Poland. Well, Gamina Lomazi contains the villages and Tatar settlements from 1679 of Bielny, Berwin, Dubau, Ahazchadruga, Hazcha <laughs> Dubowska and Wolka Korczowska. <laughs> Some of those ones toward the end just sounded like they were being parodies like words of themselves. That are like people like falling over, like Dubowska, Korczowska. I mean, maybe that's how they got their name. <laughs> because I feel like it's really weird that this district covers all these villages. There's that's a that's a rate of like maybe fifty. What is that? There's five thousand people in this entire thing. In okay. the entire Gamina, there's like five thousand people. Look at all those town names. Yeah. That's what. Fifteen different towns for yeah, these five thousand people to be just divided amongst. Like that's not. Yeah, it's only like what. It's not much. Yeah. It's not much per town. No, it isn't. That's the math on that. Not much per bird. There are nearby gaminas, uh, such as Biala Podlaska, Drelo, 
Tomaralka Podlaska. Pizak. Yeah, Prozac. <laughs> Russas. Sasnauka. Tupac. And Wisness. And Wisness. Wisness. I feel like we've come across something similar to that. Wisness. 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 I think we have. That sounds like a familiar corruption we've made. <laughs> hmm. So we've basically got our pick of Poland in here. We do. Not much else. We do, we do. It's just a matter of finding out what exactly we want to go to. Do we want to find out about... I mean, we know that Gamina is an administrative district, so while we could go to find out what Gamina is, it's probably just like... a kind of township, basically. Yeah, probably similar to like a Washington, D.C. Yeah. It's kind a of thing. No, it's like a well, township, just a ship full of towns. It has a yeah, bunch of towns in it. It's a ship. It's a ship that carries towns. <laughs> it is a township. A township. Here's all your towns. Here's all your towns. <laughs> Get out of here. All just these towns de- for delivered you. right on time for you. Shipped right on over from the neighboring g- Gaminas. <laughs> well, I mean, you can find out about Gaminas, though. You can find out about. Dublin, Dublin's mm. softer cousin. <laughs> we can find out about Lomazzi itself, since apparently it's the chief town. I don't know if it's even like the like, big boss town here. There's so many little towns. I feel like yeah, they all. Yeah, it's just the seat of the Yeah, so so maybe it's the most populous of them, which means or it could be the most central. Either really, yeah. Either one, yeah. I mean, it's not the smallest place. Uh, coincidentally, I was looking at um, the town of Cornwall, Pennsylvania, on my way to work, because I was passing through there, and I was just like, why are the boundaries for this so far away from where the actual town is? Because <laughs> I am in Cornwall for about 10 minutes of my commute, and there's nobody around. There's no yeah. houses. It's just a road. <laughs> there and I looked it up and sure enough they have uh, how much they have 26 square kilometers of area in that little town there's only like 3,000 people (laughs) and here they have 200 kilometers where there's 5,000 people so it's not not too far removed Actually, this is Cornwall's way more dense. Never mind. <laughs> There's 27, one person for every what, 70 square miles. No, that's not right. 70 people per square mile. 70 people per square mile. Yeah, 27 per cl- square kilometer, right. as opposed to 357 per square cl- square mile for uh, Cornwall, PA. So even though that seemed like it was in the middle of nowhere, nope. This is actually, <laughs> despite there being more towns in the same amount of area, far less dense. Not the same amount of area, but. The point is, there's a large area, <laughs> there's a lot of towns, and there's not a lot of people living in any of them. Well, do we want to try the Lamazi then? Just I guess so. Just because that's the titular one, yeah. Uh, Let's go to Lamazi. 
or Lomazy or Lomazy. Sounds like it could be a rapper name, Lomazy. Lomazy. Or maybe it's from the pronunciation, it might be Mazy. Somehow. Um, in any case, it's a village in Biała, Pomaska County, Lublin, Wojewodeship in eastern Poland. It's the seat of the Gmina we just came from. Um, and it has a population of 1,700, so boom, there you go. We just found most of the people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's almost half of the, the entire <laughs> entire administrative district, yeah. And there were like a bunch of other towns in there. Ah, you can see on the map here, it's very, very north. And you can see from the uh, picture of it that there's, you know, a church in like three houses, and mostly green, mostly trees. Yep. <laughs> now, it was first mentioned in a document written in 1447. It was conveniently located on the trade route from Krakow to Wilno. Hey, at least I've heard of the first one. Hey, we're getting someplace, right? <laughs> Good old Krakow. Um, the settlement received city rights in 1568 from the Polish king Zygmunt August. After the foreign partitions of Poland in 1795, Lomazzi fell into the Austrian partition first, then to the Russian partition after the after a period of insurrection. The Russian Tsar stripped Lomitsy of its city rights in 1870. Following First World War... Okay, that's how that sentence is going to go. (laughs) Following First World War, Lomitsy became part of the Lublin Vovoda ship from 1919 (laughs) to 39. It is trying to be like uh, continuing story like after the Russians take over then it's like yeah. shifts into Russian speak. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like it needs to transition with whichever is the predominant uh, uh, accent of the, the conquering people of the time. Yeah. Um, the economic situation was very difficult resulting to sizable migration. At the onset of World War II, after the invasion of Poland by Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union, a Jewish exploitation ghetto was created in Lomazzi in early 1940. Two years later, the village was the site of mass murder of all ghettoized Jews by the paramilitary Reserve Police Battalion 101 of the Nazi German Order Police, or in German, Ordhungs Palazzi, and those soldiers were aided in murdering the Jews uh, by the specially trained Ukrainian Hilfswiligi, known as Tronikis. Um, the killings took place on August 17th or 19th, 1942, in the nearby Halley Forest, but also in the homes during roundups. According to different sources, some 1,000 to 2,000, or precisely, according to German documents, 1,700, uh, different people were massacred in Lamazzi in one day of killings, which lasted until the late evening. So, based on the population today, somebody 
and that these guys showed up and killed the whole town. Yeah, sounds like it. Uh, after the war, a memorial was erected at the site commemorating the parish Jewish citizens of the town. Hmm. Well, yeah. Somebody... I, I hate how the Germans decided that they needed to have... They needed help to do this. Yeah, To seriously. show up to a town and just murder people. <laughs> like, we need to, like... It's not even like there was a battle here. They were just murdering a town. Yeah, yeah, there's no, like... There's no need... There's no military presence. It's a 1,000-person town. Yeah, I mean, like, this is something that they were just designed to do at the time. Like... But then they in, they decided to enlist those Tronikies or whatever they were. What was a Tronicky? I don't know, but there's a link to it. All right, should we find out who these idiots are and yeah, let's see why they were like yeah, sure, people. We'll help. Let's help. Let's help. Helped out the Nazis. Ugh. All right, Tronicky men. These were Jesus. So they were Eastern European collaborators recruited from the POW camps set up by Nazi Germany for the Red Army soldiers who were captured during Operation Barbarossa in the border region. So these are very specific people. Like, uh, thousands of these thousands of these volunteers served in the general government territory of occupied Poland until the end of World War II. Tronikis belong to a category of Hiwis, German abbreviation for Hilfswilliger, uh, which means those willing to help. The Nazi auxiliary forces recruited from the native subjects. So, man, they, they, there are a lot of uh, POWs. I mean, thousands of these. And they're volunteers? So, I, I the don't Nazis, know if they're volunteers. They're recruited from prisoner of war camps set up by the Germans. Thousands of these volunteers. If you were in a prisoner so, of war camp run by the Germans, you'd probably volunteer too. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, but yeah, already between September 1941 and 1942, the German SS and police trained 2,500 Tronicky men known as Hiwi Walkmanner at a special Tronicky training camp for the total of 5,082 men on active duty before the end of 1944. Uh, Tronicky Manor were organized by Stribal into two SS Sonderdienst battalions. Don't know what those are? No idea. <laughs> uh, some 1,000 Hebes are known to have run away during field operations. Uh, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. That's <laughs> that's that's a smart move. Yeah, yeah like you say. It's like, yep, I'll I'll, I'll volunteer I'll and then just I'll, leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, although the majority of Tronicky men or Hueys came from among the prisoners of war, were also known as Volksdeutsch from Eastern Europe among them. Valued because of their ability to speak Ukrainian, Polish, Russian, and other languages from occupied territories. 
and all officers at Tronicky Camp were Reich-Deutscht. The most of and most of the squad commanders were Volk-Deutscht. And the conscripted civilians and former Soviet POWs included Ukrainians, Russians, Belarusians, Estonians, Latvians, Lithuanians, Tartars, Georgians, Armenians, and Azerbaijanis. And the Tronikis took a major part in Operation Reinhardt, the Nazi plan to exterminate Jews, which I guess is part of what we just mentioned before. Yeah, I guess so. And they also served at extermination camps and played an important role in the annihilation of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, among others. I guess it doesn't make too, you know, little sense why this happened. Yeah. You put Eastern European people who are, let's not forget, in no small part responsible for the events that happened in Fiddler on the Roof. Mm-hmm. And you put them in a prisoner of war camp and you say, you can get free if you go kill some Jews. <laughs> and then they like they jump up the opportunity because it's also an idiotic plan on the part of the Germans because they wanted to, they could just go home. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. That's... I can't say that was the, the smartest move on the part of the Germans. I guess they were figuring on a lot of people, like, thinking that being murderous swine was going to be a lot more fun <laughs> than well, it actually was I mean, going to end up being. It seems like they were actually, like, a major help to the German cause at the time. Yeah, because they were... I mean, uh, I mean, help being a loose word. Like the I Warsaw mean, Ghetto Uprising was just a bunch of people again being like, hey, stop. Stop doing this. Yeah. Stop murdering all of us. Yeah, I think their word choice of annihilation there is uh, the appropriate. Yep. Considering, like... It's a bunch of people with guns against a bunch of people without guns. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Kiwi shooters, or they were mostly uh, assigned to the worst of the on-the-spot dirty work by Hauptsturmfuhrer Karl Streibel. Uh, so the Germans from the Parallel Reserve Police Battalion 101 of the Ordungpolizei of Hamburg uh, would not go crazy from the horror of hands-on killing for hours or days on end. Jesus. So in other words, they sent these guys in to do all of the killing that they were afraid the Germans wouldn't be able to stomach. That's that's what this comes down to. Yeah. So basically, to preserve the sanity of the German soldiers, yep. to perform the overall like the brutal part yeah. of curb of, of trying to commit genocide, where you actually you know do plan the, the stuff thing. and everything. Yeah. They, they just hired these grunts to go actually do all the dirty work that will traumatize them. Well, at least uh, we know the Nazis were smart about their horrible 
this. They, they, they made it pretty, you know, they had a good good benefits package. Mm-hmm. You just, you know, you just show up, you swear your belief set is this, and then you don't even have to do the ethnic cleansing. You just, you know, say, I'm sorry, but my doctor has forbidden me to have PTSD. And they say, no problem. We got these Russian guys, these POWs right over here. Bring them in. Do it. Do it right for you. Kill, kill more Jews than you'll ever kill. It'll be fine. It'll be great. Like they don't mind because they get out of prison. It's just literally one of the most. <laughs> I didn't know this was going on. Yeah, this is pretty diabolical. In World War II, I kind of. I mean, it makes sense because yeah. of World War II, but at the same time, this is like a whole new weird, unbeknownst to me, element to the whole machine. Yeah, I mean, I always just assumed it was like Nazis just going out and doing, doing their thing. terrible things yeah. by themselves and not commissioning a outsourcing yeah. to a third party. <laughs> yeah. to go them. Maybe that's how they got away with it for so long. Because is that they just, just like they themselves didn't go crazy as quickly. Because they didn't, because do they didn't personally much. do it as, yeah. as much. So nobody so. suspected that, like, they were going out and slaughtering thousands of innocent people because they personally weren't. They were bossing people around who were. Yeah. That's, that's so... Wow. That is a whole new level to something that I already knew was entirely, <laughs> entirely screwed up. Yeah. Wow, okay, so the Tronicky men shot so fast and so wildly that the German policemen frequently had to take cover to avoid being hit. What? And Ukrainian Hiwis were perceived as indispensable. In Lamazi, uh, the Germans were overjoyed to see them coming after the messy Josephau massacre which permanently traumatized the untrained executioners. God forbid. (laughs) Like, it's just... God forbid the Germans have to suffer any of the trauma uh, of the ethnic cleansing that they have called for. (laughs) That's the part they're worried about. It's like, ah, man, all our soldiers are now completely horrified and unable to kill any more people. What a terrible, terrible thing. Oh, no. <laughs> they won't go out and continue murdering everyone for us. That's. <laughs> aye, aye. Well. You know, every once good. in a while, yeah. you uh, realize that during World War II, we were up against some real Genuine evil. evil. <laughs> like. Bold faced, out in the open. No two ways about it. Just nobody could have thought this wasn't a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> type of thing. Like, no misunderstandings. This is just nothing, like, all nothing, around just Nothing to debate. Cut and dry. Yeah. Like, There's no, nobody's going to be like, well, you know. It, no. no <laughs> you want to see what bad it is? From their side. Here it is. Here it is on a black, creamy, crawly platter. Well, the thing is, is that since these people went around, the, the Tronicky people, of course, were you know, going around murdering innocent people, so they weren't like normal soldiers. They were trained in murder and disembodiment and how to use all these weapons, but they were never really in any danger of being fired back upon. 
So <laughs> they had later careers. <laughs> uh, eventually, in July of 1944, Tronicky training camp was dismantled because the Allies were closing in. The Allies, which now included heh, the Soviet Union, where uh. these guys were uh, 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 from. Um, so... <laughs> The last 1,000 Hiwis, forming the SS Battalion Stribal, led by Carl Stribal himself, were transported west to continue their dirty deeds done dirt cheap at the still-functioning death camps. The Jews of the adjacent Tronicky labor camp were massacred in November of 1943 during Action Erntefest. Their exhumed bodies were incarcerated in Sonderkip. Incinerated. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Much different meaning there. <laughs> their their exhumed bodies were, in fact, incinerated, yes, in uh, Sonder Action 1005 by Sonder Commando Milijal, from Milijal, who in turn were executed on, the, on site upon the completion of their task by the end of 1943. No, okay, wait, wait, wait. So, 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 the Tronicky... The Jews of the adjacent Tronicky labor camp were massacred in November okay. 1943. Their bodies were incinerated by a Sonder commando from Milijal, and then I mean, the he, so- was those, ex- he and his un- those under his command were executed on site okay. upon the completion of their task. Gotcha. What? So, wait, like, right after they were done with, with their thing, then it was like, all right, time to execute you now. Yep. They're like, wait, what? The Soviets entered the completely empty trading facility on July 23rd, 1944. After the war, they captured and prosecuted hundreds, possibly as many as 1,000 Kiwis, who returned home to the United uh, Socialist Soviet Republics. Uh, Most were sentenced to a gulag and released under the Khrushchev Amnesty of 1955. The number of Kiwis tried in the West was very small by comparison. Six defendants were acquitted on all charges and set free by a West German court in Hamburg in 1976, including Commandant Streibel. What? The main difference between them and the Tronikis apprehended in Russia was that the former claimed lack of awareness and left no live witnesses who could testify against them. That's not suspicious. <laughs> um, while the latter, which is to say the ones in Russia, were charged with treason and therefore were doomed from the start. In the United States, some 16 former Hiwi guards were denaturalized. So, most of the ones that went back home to Mother Russia kind of had, like, a Snowden thing going on. <laughs> like, at the time, you did a service for your country, but in retrospect, we really don't like you doing that. That was actually yeah. treason, so <laughs> don't come back here. We're just going to put you in the gulag and kill you anyway. Yeah. But the ones that ended up somehow being tried in tried by the Western powers, were they were fine. I can't say, I mean, like, except for the commander, Carl Streibel, like, that dude, how did he get acquitted? Yeah, that's a little baffling. But everybody else, I, I can't say I necessarily blame them. I mean, 
we're talking about the Germans in World War II. We're talking about, <laughs> hey, you can get out of prisoner of war camp to go do this. And if you don't, we'll kill you. <laughs> if we let you out to go do this and you don't do it when we tell you to do it, where we tell you to do it, and who we tell you to do it to, we kill you. Like, I mean, under those kinds of restraints, <laughs> I don't necessarily, you know, I, I blame them for not realizing they were the majority and that they had guns and that they were so scary with their guns, they scared the Germans and using that to their advantage to get out of having to do this. Yeah. So, I mean, there is, they're not blameless, <laughs> but <laughs> a little scared for their lives? Yeah. Yeah, even so, probably. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest here. If the war had gone on a little bit longer, I feel like there wouldn't have been anybody left to be on trial. This Carl Stribal guy already got acquitted because of the lack of witnesses he could testify <laughs> against him. What do you think his endgame was? Yeah. If he had a couple more months, he would have gotten rid of every last one of them. <laughs> oh, we, even have a, we even have a link to... No names of Tronikis serving at death camps. Yeah, um, the notoriety of crimes committed by Tronikis at the extermination camps of Belchik, Sabibor, and Treblinka during Operation Reinhardt have led to many specific names being publicized in post-war literature and by Holocaust museums based on Jewish and Polish survivor testimonies and archives. The long list of names of camp guards mentioned mostly in English and Polish translation can be attributed to numerous survivor memoirs. They often feature arbitrary spellings in triple translation based on the sound alone by which the perpetrators could not be legally identified. And the following are the most notable of them confirmed by the courts in alphabetical order. We have Ivan Demjanjuk. So? <laughs> charged after testimony of Ignat Danielchenko. Demjanjuk lived in the United States with his wife Vera, first extradited to Israel in 1986 and found guilty after a series of appeals from 1990 onward. In May 2009, Demjanjuk was deported again from the U.S. to Germany this time. He was convicted of being a guard at Sabibor and sentenced in May 2011. I like how you can be convicted of being a guard at a place. In World War II. Yeah. (laughs) That is a crime. It's like, like, all right, uh, if you were a guard at this place in this period of time... You are a criminal. Yep. Um, Dem Janjuk was released pending an appeal, and he died on March 2012 before his appeal could be heard. It just shows you how much of a mess World War II really was. (laughs) We're still picking apart, like, most people will come to a very late, very natural death. Yeah. Before anything can be done about whatever with with World War II's like, various war crimes. Like, that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But it's, it's not the most ridiculous. Uh, it's actually pretty close to the, the most ridiculous from what I'm seeing here. So. Yeah, we got 
Fedor Fedorenko, the Soviet POW recruited from Stalag 319 at Kelm, guard at the Jewish ghetto in Lublin, and sent to Warsaw and to Treblinka death camp in September 1942. After the war, Fedorenko settled in the U.S. He was extradited from the Soviet Union in December 1984. His trial and execution were pronounced in July 1986. And we have Jos- Josias Klump, a Yugoslav Volksdeutsch who took part in the murderous action Erntfest at Troniki, stripped of his U.S. citizenship in 2005 and deported to Austria in March 2009, escaped responsibility due to statute of limitations in that country. What? Good job, Austria. Not prosecuting 95-year-old <laughs> men for crimes they committed 70-some years ago. I mean, right, I, I understand why the Soviet Union is doing that sort of thing. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but... We also have Samuel Kunz, former Soviet POW, trained at Tronicky, charged in Bonn, Germany, in July 2010 with being a Belchik camp guard. Kunz died in November 2010 before his trial. What's with us charging these people in, like, the late 2000s? Yeah. With this, I mean, like, did we not know this was going on? Is is it something that we were just like, oh, we have like a hierarchy of war crimes from World War II. We're gonna persecute everybody, but we, we have like we have a yeah. lot of proceedings to go. Is there like, a or maybe it just like comes up. Maybe like they just discover it sometime. Like maybe maybe it's just come like comes across their desk. Hey, this guy happens to be uh, you know guard the thing. So. <laughs> So um, they're like, oh, okay. okay, I guess we got to prosecute him now. Yes. <laughs> it's so funny. It just doesn't... <laughs> it's just so weird to think about because it seems like it's such a distant thing, and yet... Yeah. Here we are. And you got uh, Ivan Ivanovich Marchenko in the Red Army since 1941, brought to Tronicky from POW camp in Kelm, a guard at the Jewish ghetto in Lublin, and in Treblinka, together with Nikolay Shalayev, who was tasked with forcing Jews into gas chambers, motorists cranking up the gas engine when asked to turn on the water. Oh, no. Called by the Jews Ivan the Terrible. I feel like I've heard of this guy. Ivan Grozny. Marchenko exhibited special savagery during the killing process, because of course he did, uh, photographed with... Ivan Katchuk at Treblinka. And in 1943, he was transferred to Trieste. And in 1944, fled to Yugoslavia. Fate unknown, never tried. I mean, anything like the rest of these guys is still alive. Yeah. Or he died in 2010. Yeah. <laughs> because at this point, they're all very, very old. Yes. No uh, way around that, I'm afraid. Then we got Jaquil... Pelage, a Huey guard stripped of his U.S. citizenship for having made material misrepresentations in his application for a visa to immigrate to the United States. <laughs> wow, what a way to get caught. Um, 
We got Jacob Reimer, aka Jacob Jake Jack Reimer. Reimer, I don't know. The <laughs> Huey Guard at Tronicky in nineteen forty four, denaturalized in twenty twelve two thousand two, died in two thousand five before, before he could be deported from the United States to Germany. And we got Vladis Zajankoskis, a, a Hiwi shooter deployed to participate in the annihilation of the Warsaw Ghetto, had his U.S. citizenship revoked in 2005 at the age of 95. Thank you. And I'm sure at this point he's probably dead. Yeah. Because that was 11 years ago. I don't understand. I don't entirely. I get why, but I also don't. In that they haven't been going around killing a bunch of people since they were not yeah. ordered to by the Germans. And they're also like they were about prisoners to of die. war, and they're not about to die now. Anyway, so most like, of these people die before they can finish the yeah like prosecution process at a really old age too like they stayed alive a really long time yeah you had a long time (laughs) to do something about this if you wanted to honestly i feel like they have had their punishment living to 95 years old having done all of that stuff yeah that is a punishment for a lifetime like i can't even like fathom the amount of just like trauma they had from like being put in that position in the first place yeah by force against their will then doing all of that against their will and then knowing living knowing full well that like they could be bought to task for this their entire until the age of like the mid 90s like that's yeah. just like that was pretty punishing. Yeah. I'm sure they felt punished. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure they have gone through much torment for their crimes. Yeah. If you would have put them in prison for, you know, 20 years and then let them go, I feel like that actually would have been... Maybe relieving of <laughs> yeah. their... Of everything, really. Yeah. And they probably would have they, gotten, they, gotten some They might have been like, all right, I'm finally help. getting punished for this. And yeah. If, you know... And they have psyche vows and stuff in prisons too. Yeah. Like it's not it's not a system devoid of that kind of thing. So they might have gotten to address their their issues that they almost definitely had. Yeah. So they could have also uh, been horribly killed by other inmates because, because of, of what they did. What they did. <laughs> uh, Depends on the composition of the prison. Right. Um, but, and at the same time, I get why people are prosecuting them, too. You can't just go around yeah. being, uh, you know, a, 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 essentially a death squadron and murder a bunch of civilians during war time. That's not something that, you know, it yeah. wasn't said point blank until the Geneva Conventions, but it was said pretty bluntly at that point, and, you know... I, I think that's like that the countries that are prosecuting them, apparently the weird uh, exception of Austria yeah. are doing so just to kind of toe that line just mm-hmm. to kind of be like listen we get it this is weird but yeah. like we know they're 95 we're dead <laughs> but it's the principle of the thing yeah. it doesn't 
Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just like kind of one of those things where like if they didn't, then people would be like, I mean, like, what's the deal? What's You're the not deal? You prosecuting this guy who did these horrible things? Like, I, I'm I mean, sure. Look at how many wars yeah. Israel has started since we started sponsoring <laughs> them, and look at the deals we're still we're still sending yeah. them tons of military money and aid. So I mean. Obviously, there's a lot of forces at play here, and people kind of like raise their eyebrows regardless yeah. of which way you run with it. There's no real good answer. Kind of the same way when, like, uh, whenever you're a, a prisoner of war in a German war camp, and they say, "Hey, you want to get free? And kill, as long as you go kill a bunch of Jews, like that's yeah. also kind of like, well, I'm going to die either way." Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, sometimes life just throws those Kobayashi Maru situations at you, man. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those unwinnable situations show up, especially in more time, especially in World War II, it would seem. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. I really, I'm still. I think I've reconciled with the idea of the prosecution of these people. I just haven't reconciled with the amount of time it's taken to get around to doing it. It's, I wouldn't feel so bad about putting like an able-bodied young man who has been, you know, murdering people in fun and creative ways um, yeah. on trial. But to put somebody who's literally like, you know, on life support in a nursing home on trial, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's very, it just seems very like ornamental at that point. Part of the whole prison system and the idea behind it mm-hmm. is reforming people to a better way of life correct and these people seem to be not doing the things that they were doing yeah i mean look at it they've they've had about what 60 70 years in some cases to not commit another holocaust yeah so far so good (laughs) yeah no more of those i mean like obviously there's not like hard evidence that they haven't been, you know, secretly serial killing people, but... No, there is not hard evidence against it, but... But at the same time, like, (laughs) they seem to be living pretty mundane lives. Yeah. These were people who did this, like, blatantly, obviously. They did it in a manner akin to shooting fish in a barrel. Like, these are not people who have... Murderous, like... Subtle like intricacies. They were yeah. they were forced into being murders by other murderers. Like yeah. what are you? Th- this is like <laughs> systematic murdering, not like yeah, generational murdering even. Yeah, which is so European. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the forces of uh, of of colonial countries that just are a little too close together. Yeah. at work right there. Yeah. World War Two. I'll tell you. Glad there has been a sequel. Time. Yes. <laughs> really, really good thing. Very that glad that it has stopped there. Pretty much. At least at that level. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there obviously still have things. been things going on. And still still wars. Genocides. Still genocides. Now. Not to downplay the importance of those, but either. I'm very, very happy that nothing to this level has happened in my lifetime. Yeah. But it's a matter, and it's a great thing that it hasn't, too, because obviously the the fallout from the prior 
lifetimes that have happened already yeah. still open. Yeah. Still open cases. Yep. Wow, well this went from being an episode about geography to being... I mean, to be fair, it's an, it was an article about Poland. We started off... Yeah, kinda, if you were, start out in Europe, there's a good chance you're going to end up in World War II at some if point. If, out, you, if you start out in Poland, you're definitely <laughs> end up oh, in yeah. World War II someplace. Yeah. Like, you're not getting out of there without a Starting Nazi drop Starting like, two. you know, the uh, first first shot, you know. Yeah, like you, there's, it, it's going to happen. They were the first. They were uh, the the first country to get trampled underfoot mm-hmm. by Germany, weren't they? Yes, they were. So that was, you know, it's like one. Germany had been doing horrible things, and then they occupied Poland, and everybody was like, "Oh, okay, wait a minute now." <laughs> Let's. Uh, so that's that's what they were up to this whole time with this big military. Let's <laughs> hold off here, Germany. Really. <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll let you have Poland, but we're not going to let you go much further than that, all right? Just uh, calm down over there. Uh, and then and they started was, doing more stuff, and we're like, okay, that's, well. that's actually probably why we're prosecuting these people now. It's because <laughs> because of how many specifically Polish people they killed and how much we didn't care about Poland yeah. at all. Like, we just let it happen. Yeah, you see, it's a funny thing. In that time, it, I feel like everybody was just kind of like, yeah, we're go. not going to get involved. Germany's doing this crazy stuff. We're not going to... It's do not our problem. Hitler's going to do. We're just going to wait it out. And now it's like, hey, what did you do that guy? All right, we're going to over there. We're going to settle the thing. Yep. Yeah, that's like... <laughs> like <laughs> you. Well, did you did you gas like one person with poisonous gas? All right, Gaddafi, you're out. Uh, Saddam Hussein, gone. Like, may, maybe we're now overcompensating for... The all of the problems uh, yeah. that we just kind led of like, to World War Two is like it's like we were too inactive back then, and now yep. we're like, you know what? We're just gonna shut everything down. We'll just settle it all. <laughs> we'll just settle it all as soon as it looks even a little problematic. We'll just destroy it. We'll just, just be gone. Which I mean, you know, it's also not the, not the right idea. approach. Yeah, we, we gotta find a balance <laughs> in the middle somewhere. Like. Can't be we team can't America jump into everything, police. and we can't stay out of everything. Like, no, there has to be middle ground. I think it's best explained in Team America: World <laughs> Police. <laughs> the main character of the movie is sitting in a diner, and he has a homeless man tell him some things about the world. Yeah, uh, that movie is very, very good at explaining everything. <laughs> it really is. It really shouldn't be. But it really yeah. Is. Uh, it really is. I mean, I feel like all sides can watch that movie and just be like, you know what? Yeah. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what side you're on, you're like, you know what? That's that's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that seems about right. Got it in just under the wire too. If you release that movie now, you wouldn't oh, be able yeah. to release. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a strange thing about movies too. It's like that was a strange even, thing about even that like time. ten years ago, you could release a movie that you could never release today. Well, that was right after 9/11 too. Like yeah. post 9/11, America was much more forgiving because it was just like you know what, there are worse things. And yeah. now we've lost focus of that. So now we're back to overreacting about everything. Yeah. Um, and you know. Don't get me wrong. A lot of problems to be solved. Is there a hierarchy to solving them? 
not necessarily. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, don't chastise anyone for trying to solve their problems on their own terms because they're not the problems you're trying to solve Yeah. right now. Like, you know, everybody has a different agenda. That's the thing. It takes, like, teamwork as a people of Earth. Like, different people have different desires and, like, different, I don't know, things that they are good at. Right. You know, so it's like, Different all right, I'm going sets. to help in this area because this is what I can do. This is what I'm. I feel like I should be doing right now. Right. And that's okay. They don't have to be. We don't all have to be trying to solve the one, the same exact problem no. at the same time, because then all the other problems and are left. The problem with that know. is that inevitably, because not everybody is focused on one problem, somebody's going to tread on the toes of somebody who's particularly offended by a certain problem. So yeah. it's going to perpetuate, you know, some animosity, and that's where we got to kind of watch ourselves. Yeah. Because animosity makes Hitlers. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's literally, like, that guy got up on stage and, like, did some screamo stuff, and, like, people elected him. Yeah. Like, that was all that, that's... It was pretty radical at the time, but yeah. it was exactly what Germany was feeling. Like, it's scary to yeah. think. Yeah, I mean, like, people elected that guy to lead their country. Yep. I mean, there was some corruption going on, too. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but, yeah. So. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So. That was a short and, um... Thoughtful, I think, yeah. at least, journey. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like anytime you get into World War II, it leads you down a definitely thoughtful path. And yeah, it's it's dark and it's gloomy, but the thing is, is, you can't stare something like this in the face and not feel as though you've gained some perspective. Yeah. <laughs> on you know, um, human nature. <laughs> Yeah. As a whole, really? Yeah. Yeah, there is a lot to be learned in taking a look back at World War Two. Yeah. In all areas and like can teach you a lot of things about life and people and humanity and individuals and groups, societies. It's just uh as terrible as it was, it probably gave us the single-handedly the most comprehensive, continuous, and empowered look into what evil could be. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. It is like, I mean, like, before, there were certainly a lot of other, like, big evils that but, came along. But this is, like, one of the first... Well documented ones. Well documented, you know? technologically advanced, mm-hmm. and uh, still, and yet nonetheless, very broad, very globally yeah. influential. Yeah, I mean, like we by this time we were in the, you know, the world was spread out, mm-hmm. and, but still connected. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't completely disjointed. Globalization yeah. was starting to come. I mean, we had various forms of communication, faster mm-hmm. transportation than we ever had before. That did change things. So that's kind of you know, but I think that's also made it very easy going forward from this 
having this as a reference yeah. point while communication and travel have further improved mm-hmm. we're able to kind of hopefully <laughs> hopefully keep this kind of thing curtailed yeah going forward yeah let's let's hope so hmm. but yeah so there you have it from Gamina Lamazi to Tronic Email. And hope that you, um, you know, appreciate history and all it has to offer us. And uh, you can go ahead and visit facebook.com slash TWC podcast. Give us a like and follow. Go and rate us on iTunes. And you can always check out new episodes on the website, twc.eric.com. And I'd like to thank Louis Armstrong for our theme song and Billy Jones and Ernest Hare for our outro song. So thanks again for joining us. I was Eric. And I was John. And this was the Wikipedia Chronicles. It amazes me how much I still don't, how much apparently everybody still doesn't know about World War II. <laughs> there, there is so much to uncover. Like, everybody was so busy messing so much stuff up at every every given point in the world at the same time that like whenever finally somebody said everybody stop hammering has taken a really long time that's it's no wonder there are whole entire courses just in World War II. And you can't even get to it all in one You can't. <laughs> it's you could probably be a World War II like, major in college. Like master. Like, like a master's like in what's up for your entire college career. Yeah. All the way to a doctorate and still not know all there was to know about what happened. You would still only know, like, a rough outline. You would still have, like, areas where it's, like, like, if you were to diagram in, like, a tree, you would start out with things, and the tree would just become massive, and you'd have sheets of paper <laughs> skating up the boards, and on the floors, and across classrooms, and auditoriums, and you would still have most of your branches just be, like, results in, like, question mark leaves at the very ends of them. Yep. Ha ha ha!